M&K Talk YA now presents Gemina Part 1 from the Illuminae Files by Amy Kaufman and Jay Kristoff. To MK Talk YA. I'm Katie Bradford. And I'm Marissa Snyder. And this week we read Gemina Part One, which is the second book in the Illumina files. Yep. <laughs> I can't say that for some reason. Okay. Well, I keep calling it Gemini and <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. We've been having all sorts of problems. Actually, we should mention that we are very sorry for not making our deadline. Yeah. On Wednesday. It's entirely my fault, but I also blame technology. <laughs> I blame Aiden. I think Aiden ate our audio. Yes, Aiden. It was for the it was for everyone's good, somehow. Somehow. <laughs> he was preserving the greater good. I don't know. I honestly don't know why we've been having so many troubles. I think it's just irony because we're reading a book about technology and our technology <laughs> is like failing us. I am pretty sure that I did something terrible in a past life and all the karma's catching up to me now. But your your theory is probably a little bit better. That Aiden ate our audio? Yeah. yeah. I agree. <laughs> uh, but yes, okay. We read the first part of Gemina in the Illuminae Files. Up until every camera dies as the room explodes. That's where we stopped. Another great cliffhanger for everyone. Although it was, but I feel like I thought it was going to be like even more dramatic than it was. So with everything that's going on right now in this first half, I didn't feel like it was like the most critical point. It wasn't as bad as the first one. Yeah. I agree. Okay. Where do we want to begin? Do we want to start at the beginning? Yeah. Should we talk about where we are and who we're with now? Because it's a little bit different than the last book. Yeah. We have a whole cast of new characters. Yeah. And we're on the Heimdall, this new space station. Yep. And we are with Hannah Donnelly and Nicholas Malakov. And Hannah is the daughter of the commander, and Nicholas is... The son of a crime lord or something. Yeah, the son of a drug lord. Or he's part of a big gang. Right. Yeah. And... And Hannah likes to do some drugs, and Nick (laughs) is her hookup. This dust thing... Sounds creepy. Yeah, it sounds... I mean, I do like that she did her journal, first of all, Hannah's journal that she keeps is so great. And I love that Marie Lou did all the illustrations. Yeah. Um, And I love when she did that illustration of what it feels like to be on a dust trip, as they call it. Because I was like, oh my God, that looks so calming. And it looked like an adult coloring book is what it looked like. Yeah. But like, I, I sort of feel like these are really dangerous creatures to just have around anywhere. Oh, the um, actual, like, larva. The, yeah, whatever they use to, Le- what are they called again? The harvest. Yeah. They seem just really dangerous to have around. And, like, how has no one been, like, oh, yeah. There's a whole herd of cows in our ship that are being infected. Yeah. Or, like, I don't know. It just feels like a big secret that someone, or even Nick should have at some point been, like, oh, yeah, we have these things that we were supposed to deal with today that we haven't yet, and they're kind of bad news. Or even for other people to be, like, wouldn't this be like a common, maybe not super common, but 
I feel like if dust is so readily available that people should know more about these creatures and it should be some clue if all these people start disappear or not responding but their bio stuff is working i yeah I, and also it's just like how big is this ship that there's interstellar drug trafficking happening on board this ship well it seems it does seem like it's sort of a central point for a lot of places so just because the ship might not be big if it gets a lot of traffic in and out that's true i it's sort a jump of ship. buy that yeah but for them to be like harvesting this lanima on board I don't know. And this isn't the first time they've done it, right? But it also kind of felt like it was Nick's first time involved or something, sort of, didn't it seem like? Kind of. Nick is such an interesting character, too, because, like, I'm honestly not sure how involved he is with this, the the House of Knives or whatever. Um, Yeah, it's definitely complicated. But he does have that, yeah, he has that tattoo of an angel, which Hannah learns means that you killed someone for them. Yep. But also, there was that point at the end where he kills, what's his name, Juggler? And it didn't seem, mm-hmm. he seemed, like, really shook, shaken up by it. Like, like he had never killed anyone before. So, I honestly don't know what to believe about Nick anymore. Well, I sort of feel like he might have taken the fall for his dad or something. Oh. But I don't know. But I agree. And so, fun fact, I looked up 15 common tattoos criminals have and what they secretly mean. Ooh. Okay. Because I thought it was kind of cool when they were talking about the yeah. different tattoos and what they meant. Like, the bands around the chest were for, like, different prisons people had been to. And, like, they've got their gang sign. And, um, yeah, the angel we find out about. Okay, so tell me. Let's jump right to the research. So let's see some good ones. <laughs> well, this is just really relevant to what we're talking yeah. We'll jump back and forth. Okay. Um, <laughs> so one is the cobweb. Ooh. So if you have a cobweb, it typically represents a lengthy term in prison. Oh, okay. So it sort of has to do with spiders trapping prey and how a criminal is trapped behind bars. Oh. And usually they say they do it on their elbow, and it's supposed to, like, signify that you're just, like, sitting so long with your elbows on a table that a spider made a web. Hmm. But it also sometimes is located on your neck. And if you see a multicolored web, it's probably not a prison tattoo because most jail tattoo artists don't have access to colored ink oh oh oh. okay that makes sense um and have you heard about the teardrop tattoo Mm-hmm. so that's one of the most kind of widely recognized ones um so it actually depending on where you are geographically can mean different things but i think kind of like the popular meaning that you've probably heard is that it, it symbolizes a murder yeah and if it's just the outline it's supposed to symbolize an attempted murder oh i didn't know that or, if it's just an outline, it could also mean that one of their friends was murdered and they're seeking revenge. Ooh, like Hannah. Yeah, or like um, Callie. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we should come up with our own tattoos so you can recognize other fans of YA around you <laughs> in the world. I read a lot of books or something like that. <laughs> I do like the idea of it, like, telling a story for you. Mm-hmm. So I actually, have I told you the story about my friend, the Brazilian street fighter? No, I haven't heard about your friend, the Brazilian Street Fighter. (laughs) I just, I introduced him that way to uh, help paint a picture of, like, what a tough guy he is. Okay. He he also is a Brazilian Street Fighter, but, like, that's why I introduced him that way. Um, So he has a tiger tattooed on his chest. It's, like, his whole chest is really elaborate. Um, And it took, like, five sessions or something, and he passed out in two of them. Oh, no. 
So he like, you know, I mean, he's a really tough guy and it was a really tough tattoo to get. Um, and it looks really cool. So I was just like, hey, like, why the tiger? I sort of, I, I love to ask people about their tattoos because I always feel like there's a story if someone mm-hmm. wants to, you know, put something on their body. Um, and he was just like, I don't know. I thought it looked cool. <laughs> and like, it does look cool. I love when you get answers like that. Though. There might be more to the story than he wanted to tell me or something. But I'm like, yeah. I cannot imagine getting a tiger tattooed on my chest Passing out twice. Also, I just am terrified of needles, so I, like, wouldn't be able to do it at all. But But especially something so elaborate and did not have any meaning. I did. I used to, like, I thought it would be cool to get a tattoo or to say I got a tattoo. I think, you know, in Friends, doesn't Phoebe, like... I don't watch Friends. Oh, I think it was Friends or something. Someone gets, like, a tattoo, but they chicken out and it's, like, just a dot. And they're like, it's the world from really far away or something like that. But (laughs) I was like, like, I should just get like a freckle tattoo or just so I can say I did it. But like, I won't really have to deal with the consequences and I could probably survive that much. You would probably still, I mean, let's be honest. (laughs) I mean, they'd have to still knock me out. Are they allowed to do that and then give you a tattoo? (laughs) Definitely not. I also, when I got, when I got my wisdom teeth, the first thing they wanted to do was numb my mouth with, you Mm -hmm. know, a needle. And then knock me out. And I was like, nope, you have to knock me out first. You cannot come near me with a needle until I am out of it. <laughs> yeah, okay. No tattoos for you, Katie. Okay, so yep. that's who Nick is. A little bit of background on Nick. Then we have Hannah. Yep, and she's got a boyfriend. Yeah, and she's got a boyfriend who is not who we thought he was. That was a good reveal. Oh, man. I was so confused, though, at first. I had to read that section like a bunch of times because what confused me was all right so her boyfriend is jackson merrick but also known as well and but the thing that is weird is that he was using sam wheaton's id or something right i don't know if he was actually using his id i was actually trying to figure that because he was the one who was um trying to blackmail nick into letting on the um the bio carrier or whatever like the audit team and he was using sam wheaton's name but then we find out his real name is like samuel something else yeah it was also started with sam that's why i didn't actually go back and look at sam wheaton i thought maybe i just thought we just saw sam and i thought it was you know like i assumed that they were the same because i was falling for whatever they wanted me to fall for yeah that's what confused me because it was like he was using sam as an alias but then his actual name is is sam and he has it's still sam and his name is right. not Sam and at the same time. Right, and he has this contract now that we find out a contract with Bytech. And he, and he was Rapier the entire time, which is just such a dumb code name, first of all. Rapier. Yeah, there's. it's actually kind of fun to see all the different code names. Some of them are pretty stupid, but... I do like that. Of the yeah. um, space pirates. That's what I've been calling them. <laughs> the space pirates. Oh, I like that. I like how the medic was Nightingale. Yeah, I know. Isn't it awful that I'm looking at them and I was like, ooh, some of these guys are really cute looking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's okay. You're allowed to have crushes on pirates in my book. Naxos so. Antonio. I was like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, which one? Naxos Antonio. Okay. <laughs> I'm into him. <laughs> ooh, or Genji Sat- Sato. I don't know. There's some good looking space pirates in this book. Yeah, they're not, they're not too bad to look at. It's so easy to get distracted by this book. Okay, we were talking about Hannah. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay, Hannah, we love her journal. I love all the illustrations. And I love the, um, I like how, it, again, like in the first book, it was this great mix of really serious stuff happening. And then 
teenagers being teenagers. Yeah. And I thought it was the same deal here where, like, all the stuff's going on and then we see Hannah's journal and she just has, like, such great stuff in her journal. Like, I was looking at all the details. There's one where she's just, it's an illustration and she's fantasizing about cutting someone's head off with a chainsaw. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, like, she has just on the side, like, notes to herself and one of the notes is just get stuff, <laughs> which is, like, it's just <laughs> so funny because, like, like, that's what you do a lot when you're just jotting down notes to yourself you're like oh get that thing that i wanted to get like you don't you don't get specific there was also yeah notes about like pick up something from her friend or, or you know like give someone back something or whatever and i loved mm-hmm. all that stuff i think that was in the uh, whisper net not in her journal but still it was it was fun to have kind of those little like like you said kind of peaks in a normal teenage life at the same time yeah or like when she's i love the illustrations of her and jackson when she was like Future, past, present, that was... Yeah, and she was just like, oh, misconception, and then reality, and he's this, like, super hot dude that she draws in her journal. Yeah. And she was like, oh, she was illustrating, like, thing- reasons why she likes him, and one was he could do push-ups while she sits on his shoulder. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I-, I really liked her-, her journal a lot. I also, I feel so bad about her dad, but I think it's kind of really cool that he sort of is the one who taught her all this sort of, like, strategy stuff growing up like that was how they bonded and how she's kind of honoring him by remembering it and taking revenge yeah and and how yeah exactly she was like i bonded with my dad by coming up with military strategies it's another one of those you know how we were talking i forget which series it was but like how in the book like the main character will just randomly have the skill they need because like once at summer camp they learn to read the stars and now they can like it's kind of Another one of those stories. It's believable because her dad was a general, but um, but it is kind of funny. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, our ship just got taken over and everyone's captured. But luckily, I used to study war strategy for 10 years, so I'll be fine, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm good. And at the end, too, like when Jackson kept telling her to turn herself in and she was acting like she was believing mm-hmm. him. I, I was not fooled by that at all. I was like, there's she's playing dumb. There's no way that she's actually this naive because that does not yeah. add up. Like, I wasn't even worried. No, I didn't think she would be that naive. I wasn't sure if she... Like, I, I knew she... Does she know that Jackson is not on her side already? Yes. Because remember, there was that okay. moment where she was like, this was your last chance to not betray me in her mind or or whatever. And, and he tells mm-hmm. her to turn herself in. And then that's how she knows, like... You're not on our side. But, like, how did she know? Because if he, let's just say he was purely her boyfriend on her side, they knew that they were using him as a hostage, and he believed what they were telling him. Wouldn't he be saying the same things? Yeah, but there was something, I forget exactly what it was, that, like, totally tipped her off. Like, I think she knew that Cerberus, or whatever his name is, couldn't be trusted. Yeah. Who do you think she saw in the... In the room, right before all this went down. Didn't she see someone in the room? Mm, I don't remember. Um, I know that she... It was like a few pages before, before she called them and talked to them. She was like going into a different room. She disappears into the room with a whisper. What the censored word? Oh, and she sees something? Mm -hmm. 
After she sees that trail of blood. I don't know. I think it was just he sounded so untrustworthy. Like, oh, yeah, we'll send one person to come get you. No, I totally get her not trusting him. I'm just saying I wonder who she saw. So, like, right before she called them, she followed a trail of blood and went into a room and seen she saw whoever was there or whatever was there and walked in with a whisper. And then this conversation took place and the salt stuff. So I'm curious who was in the room, if it was someone, and if how much information they gave her, if any, or... Because where's Katie's dad? Oh, I'm not sure. Oh, Isaac Grant. Also, that's cool to kind of see him knowing his daughter and her thinking he's dead. Yeah, is, is still alive. And she's like on the Hypatia coming towards him. I know, like really close now, like I know. hours away. Well, they have a prisoner in the room, so I'm wondering who that is. But I thought the prisoner was now dead. Oh. <laughs> Maybe... I don't know. It was like a lot happening all at once. And because it's just the way things are talked. Well, because at first you're kind of led to believe that Jackson's the prisoner, right? Right. Well, at first I thought Sam Wheaton was the prisoner. But then I was like, okay. Yeah. And then you think, oh, Jackson's the prisoner. And then you're like, oh, shoot. No, he's one of them. Yeah. Because I thought there was something where Cerberus was kind of threatening him and saying oh. like you get one chance because i am short on men and i need you here i thought that uh there was a dead body in the corner who had been the prisoner but maybe i made that up. oh maybe there was i don't know a lot a lot has <laughs> i promise we we did read the book <laughs> <laughs> we, t- we read the cliff notes. we got distracted by the pretty pictures okay oh man the um diane matresco jumpsuit i just <laughs> i stared at that page for so long and i couldn't you know actually understand the plot <laughs> well also we only read half the book and so i think like especially with this book like you learn stuff and then you have questions about it and then you learn you get the more like more details later so we didn't get we don't have the whole story yet yeah we're getting little pieces and we haven't put the picture together Totally fair. I do like, though, when we see Aiden watching that video yeah. of the creatures and, like, knowing it's Aiden and seeing him, like, struggle to, like, come I back. I know. Yeah. I was so happy when he came back. As soon as I, I heard him, I, was, I, like, recognized his voice immediately. I was like, oh, that's our Aiden. Yeah. Okay, so we like Hannah. We like... I, I like Ella a lot, actually, too. I do, too. Nick's cousin. Although I want to know more about this plague that she has and why it keeps her tied to her computer. Yeah, I think she just, um, however bad the plague was, I think she recovered from it, but like is in a wheelchair now and just likes being at the computer, sort of, I think. She's like... It sounds like she's hooked up to something to keep her alive, though. Mate, I mean, yes, but I don't think she still has the plague. I think it's like she survived it, but like doesn't ever like use, maybe needs machines to help her stay alive or something, but... Yeah, I just am curious to know more. Yeah, and I feel bad for her that her dad died, and Nick, lucky you that you had a drug deal to get to. <laughs> well, yeah, and also that, like, Nick was the one who organized that biotainer to be brought on board, and then he just kind of left them to do his job, and now they're all dead. That's awful. I know. Do you think Jackson liked Hannah for real? That's what my question was, too, because I wrote down in my notes... At the end, I was like, wow, we, I actually wrote that. Wow, we learned Jackson is rapier. He's the mole. And then I wrote, oh, he's probably just trying to get close to the commander's daughter. Like, I definitely think that he was supposed to get close to her. But also, I think he thought they were just like taking, like, he didn't think anyone would be in danger where he was. He thought he was just keeping some messages hidden at, 
initially, right? Like, Ugh, I guess so. But how naive can you be? Like, I don't know. I mean, I agree that maybe he has grown to feel something for her because he was upset. He kept t- saying, like, let me have her. You don't have to kill her. But also, like, you're so naive. I mean, when Furbisher or Leanne Furbisher from Biotech is like, just so you know, the mission is to kill everyone on board. Does he really think that he's not going to be part of that group? Like, when they say kill everyone on board, mm, I'm thinking you're probably in that group of people who are going to be killed. Because he's a witness. Like, at this point, he's their mole. But does he know that? No, I don't, I don't think so. But, I mean, if we can see it, I feel like he should be able to see it. But I don't think he even knows their orders are to kill everyone on board, does he? Yeah, they told him that. They when he was pretending to be Sam, yeah. She okay. was like, no one outside of our team will be allowed to survive and get off this ship. Because... Um, Kennedy's coming, the assault fleet, to destroy Hypatia and kill all of them and to eliminate any surviving witnesses on the, you know, people who saw the Bytec attack on Carenza. And their whole plan now is to escape through this wormhole. Like, so that's why they need to complete maintenance on the wormhole generator. They're going to, like, go through this wormhole and escape. But I would be surprised if they take him with them. Yeah, but I... I know that's the plan, and we saw that when we got the sh- papers off the ship, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ella So I'm just curious, hold. does he actually know that, that the plan is to kill everyone, or does he just know? No, I think she... Or does he just... I, yeah, no, Leanne did, tells okay, him. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I'm, like, trying to keep everything straight. Obviously, <laughs> I'm not doing a good job. This is hard. There's a it's lot hard. of files to go through. <laughs> And it's all new people. And Did yeah. you notice that they actually mentioned, because so last week I researched Famous Last Stands. Did you notice that they mentioned the Battle of Thermopylae from 300? I did notice <laughs> that. Yeah, that was funny. And that's exactly what they're doing right now. And I love that they're actually calling their plan Operation Thermopylae because they're like <laughs> trying to shut down this wormhole now. Yeah. That made me so happy. Yeah, I'm just curious to see. I'm just I want to keep reading. I'm very into it. I think I might even be liking it more than the last one. I don't know if that's true, but it, it's just kind of, it sort of reminds me of the second, yeah, the second Six of Crows. Oh, yeah. Because it's kind of like a heist. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's so exciting because there's like space pirates are on board. And now it's like, it's honestly reminds me so much of Die Hard where they're trying to like escape from these terrorists and always stay one step ahead of them. And then there was that moment where right after, um, Hannah kills Nightingale where she takes her lipstick and she writes, come and play. And I was like, oh my God, this is just like Die Hard. <laughs> I haven't seen that either. <laughs> oh no, it's so good. <laughs> what else is new? I need to, sometime I need to stop reading and just watch a bunch of movies and catch up. We should watch every movie that we've mentioned on this podcast so far. We should. It would take forever. Plus, Nightingale isn't dead, actually. I think she's mostly been oh. knocking people out. Oh, oh, oh okay. But she took, her, she took her left eye out. Oh, that's right. That's right. It, it is kind of fun to see. I like how they keep kind of re-showing us the list of space pirates and who's been X'd yeah. out now. It's kind of a cool way to look at it or to keep track. It is. And and I loved um, that scene when their um, Romeo is chasing her and she puts him in the airlock mm-hmm. and she takes her, um, they call it a plob, P-L-O-B, her tracking device. And it's she like takes it out of herself and it's cooling down and, and the um, airlock won't purge until it registers that there's not human life in there. And then like when it finally loses her body heat, Ella purges them all through the airlock. Yeah. 
Good for her. That was nuts. Yeah. I think I kind of liked that Hannah... It's kind of like when we talked last week about, like, can you push a button and kill people? Or is it... Or, like, is it harder to, like, look someone in the eye and do it? Mm-hmm. And that was exactly the case, because Hannah wasn't even thinking let me purge them through the airlock and in fact in fact when it started engaging she was like oh my god no way yeah it wasn't me yeah yeah (laughs) but ella is just sitting behind her computer being like by space pirates (laughs) (laughs) well they killed her dad although i don't remember she knew that yet no i don't think she knew that at that point but still yeah i mean it is it's crazy can you imagine like no, I can't imagine any of this, actually. Like, literally nothing in here I no, can No, it would be so terrifying. And and it's amazing how well Hannah's handling it. Like, that part when she was in the elevator shaft was... I was so scared for her because I thought she was going to get crushed by that elevator. Mm-hmm. And I love how she... Like, the quick thinking she has where she takes off the jumpsuit and uses it to, like, protect her hands and just slides down the cables... Like, that was a great scene. Yeah. We need to remember that trick if we're ever stuck in an elevator and about to be crushed. And if I'm ever wearing a Diane Matresco jumpsuit. I mean, you could... I'm just saying, (laughs) if you're stuck in an elevator and you're going to get crushed and you're wearing something else, it might still be worth an attempt. (laughs) I would try it. I mean... I Okay. Although knowing me, I'd like fall off the elevator while trying to like take my pants (laughs) off or something. (laughs) What a dignified sort of death that I'm would like, be. Not that coordinated, and and trying not to get shot. I mean, you none know? of us have fathers who are military strategists, so it's really not our fault. I know my dad did play chess with me a few times, but oh, I don't know if that's going to help me much in this situation. What's going to help me is the fact that I've read so many YA novels. That's true. I know, and and we've done so much survival research. True. Yeah. Come at me. <laughs> Come and play slowly, so I have time to prepare my reaction. <laughs> Yeah, I'm enjoying the whole cat and mouse scenario, even though it is it is very scary at times. It's a really it's like a thriller at this yeah. point. So, do you think that they are going to keep the wormhole from being opened in time, and that the Hypatia will reach them? I hope so, or I hope they somehow get it working and get everyone to escape through the wormhole and leave the bad guys, the remaining space pirates, on board. So, part of me thinks because. I think, at least to some extent, these files are being compiled by our good friends from the previous book, that they reach the space station. Yeah, someone someone survives. Yeah. <laughs> we know that. <laughs> Maybe it's just Aiden. Who knows? Oh, man. I hope we meet more artificial intelligence, because I think that um, Kennedy's ship, they said, is powered only by artificial intelligence. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they did, did say that. So Aiden's going to get some company soon. I'm just, I'm curious. I want, I want Katie and her dad to see each other. That's what I really want. I know, me too. That would be such a great reunion. I'm sure they will. I also really want to learn more about these alien predator creatures. I want to know how you stop them. Yeah. Well. Because like, so this whole team of like, specially trained agents, like, can't do anything about it? Is it just because they don't know they're there? So by the time they would have realized they're already like under the psycho I think they don't know they're there. So at some point, Nick is going to remember or something that they're there, right? At some point? I mean, they have to because it's such a great weapon if they can control it. Yeah. Or at the very least, they need to figure out how to protect their people because if these things just keep eating everyone's brains and roaming through the ship. Oh, I know. Ooh, it's so... And they're like these eel leeches with big teeth and they i oh they feed on your electromagnetic brain frequencies something like that yeah the only thing that is a little bit reassuring is that 
I guess it it's calming. It's not like these people are dying in horrific pain, you know? Although in some ways that's like kind of creepier. I mean, it's better than like being suffering the whole time. I agree. Like at least it's kind of a peaceful death, but it's also like kind of creepy to like convince it's like boiling a frog or something. You know what I mean? Like slow boiling a frog or something. Like they don't realize. They don't realize what's happening, but they're also hallucinating and it doesn't seem scary. Because like that um, Gabriel what, Ballpark, he's the one who got the larva in his suit and he was like, oh, look, an angel. Mm-hmm. You know, like it just made him go totally docile. So that was the only thing that was comforting about it to me was that like you're, it's not a horrific death. Yeah, but then his he's still having his brains eaten out and you saw the yeah. cows right when they like... I mean, you didn't see them, I guess, but you know what I mean. Well, so I started researching aliens <laughs> before I knew Ooh, what this, okay. what the aliens were, because we just knew that there were going to be alien predators. Um, and then when I... You heard you heard alien predator, and then you stopped listening to me last episode and went and researched aliens. Is that what happened? <laughs> I watched the movie Alien. <laughs> That's what happened. But then, so I started doing research on aliens, and I might, I might save it for another time, but... I got distracted because I was like, well, these Levima creatures, they're not really aliens because people know what they are. You know, Nick and his uncle are harvesting them. So that doesn't, to me, that didn't make it an alien. So alien is more like unknown than. Yeah. So they're just, they're just space creatures or whatever. Yeah. yeah. They're just narcotic space creatures. (laughs) They're just drug making, brain eating worm things. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Brain eating parasitic worm things. (laughs) That's the scientific term. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So instead of researching aliens, I started researching um, zombie parasites that can mind control their hosts. Oh. That's the name of this article. <laughs> Are there a lot of them? Yes. Uh... Oh, my God. It's so creepy. So this is from National Geographic. And basically, it's animals that are able to mind control other animals okay. to get them to do things that they want. Like... All animals or, like, specific animals? Specific animals. Okay, so it's not like all these things can come mind control me someday. No, we're safe. Okay, go on. Then you may (laughs) continue. Otherwise, I may have to leave the room. Um, Okay, so the first one that I read about was this wasp. It's a parasitic wasp, and it's found in Costa Rica. So, again, we're, we're safe in Chicago and Atlanta. And these wasps, they lay their eggs in orb spiders. So they specifically target this type of spider, and they lay their eggs on their abdomen. And when the how do larva... they even do that? Well, I think they paralyze it for I don't know. Okay. It just says they lay their eggs on their abdomen. <laughs> okay. Maybe the spider is just like not paying attention. Maybe it just like sneaks up and yeah, yeah. Okay. Or I mean, wasps can also paralyze prey, so maybe they paralyze Ugh. it. Okay. Yeah, that's not pleasant to think about. But anyway, okay, so they somehow get their eggs onto their abdomen. And then when the larva hatches, the wasp larva, the larva injects a chemical into the spider. Mm -hmm. And this is insane. The chemical makes the spider build a web, but the web is unlike anything it's ever built before. So what is that like? So the web, I saw pictures of it. So it, the normal, the spider normally builds two kinds of webs. It either builds a web to catch prey or it builds a web just to like rest in, like hang out in. 
Mm-hmm. And this web that it builds under the influence of these chemicals, it looks a little bit like the resting web, but it is really heavily reinforced. And it has this special center portion of the web. And the web is designed that way because the wasp larvae need a place to build their cocoon. So it's like protecting their... Yeah. Okay. So it makes the spider build a web specifically to house them. Isn't that insane? I want... I want to be able to do that. For someone to build a house for you. <laughs> yeah. That's essentially what like, it is. You <laughs> build me a special room to read in. Thank you. Yeah. And so Ugh. these. Well, it's just crazy that they can't even like, it's not even like, oh, build me one of those that you do, but it like is something different than separate it's never from built that. before. Yeah. 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 That's what's insane. Yeah. And so the wasps build a cocoon on this reinforced web, and the wasps live inside the cocoon until they're big enough to break out and kill and eat the spider. I like it. So the spider just still stays there? Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's brain. It's a zombie. Oh my goodness. I know. It's so crazy. Okay, so then... So then that's like its first big meal after it... Yeah. It has a uh, nice little spider to feed on. So basically, their parents... Just are like, okay, kids, when you wake up, here's 20 bucks for a pizza, and, like, you can, I mean, like. <laughs> it's super smart. That's kind of funny. It's so yeah. smart. I always wonder how these things, like, evolve to be this way. Like, that's kind of crazy. Anyways, continue. What else? There's more you said. Okay, yeah, there's a couple more. So, do you, do you remember seeing the specials? They've done them on TV about the ants that climb the stalks of grass. And No, I don't think so. Okay, so. This is so fascinating. And I've actually seen documentaries on this before. So there's this uh, flatworm, and it lives inside the livers of grazing mammals, so like cows. Okay. And the flatworm's eggs are excreted in the cow poop, and this is a long circle. So the cows excrete the eggs, the eggs are eaten by snails, and then the eggs hatch inside the snails and are... um, kind of, like, expelled by the snails in, like, these big, phlegmy, gooey balls. Yuck. So it's, like, mm. slime balls. The sli- like, the, the snails, like, build a protective layer around the eggs and expel mm. them because they don't want them in their body anymore. But these snail slime balls are really attractive to ants. And so ants eat the slime balls, but they're also ingesting this flatworm. And the flatworm travels through the ant's body and gets to the ant's brain. And this is freaking insane. The the flatworm turns the ant into a zombie, essentially. And the ant, the ant is overcome with this um, uncontrollable urge to climb the highest stalk of grass it can find. Or get to, the, to climb. It's like driven by an urge to climb. Mm-hmm. So it usually climbs up like flowers or tall stalks of grass or, or anything. And the reason it does this is because if an ant is sitting on top of a blade of grass, it will be likely that a grazing mammal will, will walk by and eat the grass and eat the ants, and then the cycle continues. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Why can't they just like stay in the original animal? Why don't they just have... Because they want to reproduce. I know, but just reproduce at a rate where you can like have a baby and then die off and the baby can have a baby and then die 
stuff and then oh, but they do but it's, it's like that a crazy so elaborate yeah, no that's crazy and so they, there was this documentary of all these ants that were just climbing determinedly up these stalks of grass and just standing there motionless not moving that's just like i just can't believe how many different steps there are <laughs> and it was all so the flatworm could like get back in the cow liver yeah there's it's it's insane and good job on those snails at least they don't get yeah poor snails they were kind of just like innocent bystanders who just like wanted to eat some cow poop and then had to cough up larvae but at least they didn't at least the larvae just got coughed up instead of forcing them to that's true climb up yeah and get eaten they touched a bullet there <laughs> um okay the last one um are hairworms and these infect land creatures mostly crickets but in order to reproduce, the hairworms need a source of water. So they inject mind-controlling chemicals into crickets. And these chemicals cause the cricket to move towards light. And um, since bodies of water reflect moonlight, the crickets are drawn like irresistibly towards this light. And they end up falling in the water and drowning. And then the hairworms emerge and they can reproduce because they found water. <laughs> There's got to be better ways to do this, guys. <laughs> but, like, it's so sneaky and, and I don't know. I kind of, I, I love it and hate it in equal parts. No, it's, it's like, like fascinating. It's amazing that nature can do that, but it's also so horrifying. Yeah, like I said, I don't even understand how you evolve this way. Like, especially when it's, like, these multiple <laughs> steps, like, okay, I need to get inside another, host you know, host. And... I need to be on top of a blade of grass. Okay, how do I get there? I know. Ants go up there. Let me make the ants... Go up there. How do I get the ants to... How do I get inside the ants' brain? I know. They eat slug goo. I mean, like, I mean, I know that's not how evolution works. You don't just, like, decide things. But still, it's kind of crazy. It really is. And just, like, maybe learn to reproduce without hurting anyone else. Or, like... That's well, the other it's thing. It's also crazy to think, like... Because I think of animals so much as, like, instinct-driven. But to, like, override their instincts and do... And, like, make them do something different like create something they wouldn't even know how to how to make yeah well yeah i i was like i was fascinated by it oh man yeah so that was my alien predator research i like it and by like it i mean i'm gonna have nightmares about it (laughs) yeah me too let's talk about something else (laughs) okay i i also looked up some interest super interesting things about elevator music Oh my god, I really want to hear this lollipop song. Do you? I want a fan. Yeah, I want a fan. Here's what I want to have happen. So do you listen to my dad wrote a porno? I don't, but you've talked about it a little bit. So there was these fans who wrote a song, and it's such a great song. It sounds like something that like ABBA would have done. And they just like made this fan song. And I want someone to make a fan song about the lollipop song. <laughs> like, I want someone to actually turn it into a song so we can play it and listen to it because it sounds so terrible. I know, doesn't it? Oh, my goodness. And I just imagine, like, all this stuff's going down and, and space pirates have invaded your spaceship and this song is just incessantly playing. It sounds like it was annoying even before this happened. Like, you, people's alarm clocks would switch to this song, obviously the elevator music, any mm-hmm. other, like, I'm kind of curious how, like, this can't, just be like a funny thing right this has got to be like something bigger maybe it doesn't have to be but i'm curious to see like if it plays a role yeah it becomes even bigger or we find that it was started by you know can be um leveraged somehow oh i hope so or if it's just like this funny extra thing 
I mean, there is, like, great humor throughout this whole thing, too, you know? like There is. Yeah. I like when Ella turns Nick's, kept changing Nick's handle on the... Um, I show. love that part, yeah. <laughs> and she kept changing it to different things. And again, when you think about high school, or, you know, high school age mm-hmm. kids, she's, like, what, 15? Yeah. And, like, that's totally something I would have done at 15. <laughs> yeah. And, and especially the more he's reacting to it, the more of you're course. like... Of course she's going to keep doing it. So do you want to hear some fun facts about Muzak? Yes. <laughs> um, so one thing, they began selling their product in like restaurants and stores and hotels and whatnot by claiming that music increased productivity and inspired employees to work harder and feel better about their jobs. I believe that. So, so they hired like this engineering team and like over 15 minute periods, they would increase the music gradually in terms of tempo and volume and then go silent Mm. for 15 minutes and then repeat the process thinking that this would cause workers to unconsciously increase their productivity and energy but what did it do eventually this this idea was criticized and abandoned okay but just like i i just think it's funny i also can't imagine it like getting faster and faster and louder and then just like silent for 15 minutes i feel like that would be even more annoying That that would be more distracting yeah because at least if there's a constant noise, you can get a, you can get used to it. Yeah, exactly. Or you can, yeah, basically ignore it. Did I tell you that in our where I work, they have music playing? Well, you used to work there too, so you know. But um, it's on like different tracks. So like some days it'll be like the country music day, and then other days it'll be like the hip hop day. And then the other day, I swear to God, it was like high school musical day because they were just playing like songs for musicals and I was like I couldn't work here like thank god they didn't do that in my department but I was just like there's no way if I had to listen to the soundtrack from Greece all day that I would be productive at all my first boss there wrote a program or something to build like a website where you could see what was scheduled to play each day and what song was currently playing that's which is so like funny. such a silly thing, but like was totally something that happened in my department. Like that was the <laughs> kind of people I worked with and I am one of them. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Tell me more about Muzak. Um, you can join an elevator music resistance group. What is that? Like people who are opposed to this type of music and don't want it played ever? Yeah. A group in the UK is doing something about elevator music in public places. <laughs> so I guess there's there's this group called Pipe Down. Uh, <laughs> That's a great name. And it's these... Citizens who are concerned about noise pollution. It was started in the early 90s. Um, and they have a campaign for the freedom from unwanted music. And they try to essentially convince public places not to play music. And they've removed piped music from Gatwick Airport and retail giant Tesco. Holiday music, unfortunately, not included. <laughs> I feel like I would be behind this movement. I feel like I want to join them. I think it's just like a, like, you know, what political organizations are you a part of? I'm part of the, like, (laughs) pipe down group. And especially, like, right now in this day of age, people are like, really? That's the biggest problem that you're facing? Like, (laughs) come on. Yeah. So the original function of elevator music was to keep people calm in skyscrapers. Oh. So back in the 1920s is kind of like when they first started having, like, it was much more popular to have really tall skyscrapers. Mm-hmm. And as the buildings got taller, you people needed to like have an option instead of climbing stairs. So they built elevators and they were originally invented to whisk people around the building like a Coney Island ride for transportation. So originally it was like more entertaining. You know, 
Yeah, like a ride. Okay. Um, so people were obviously a little bit nervous about cramming into a box and being raised up hundreds of feet and, you know, plunging to their deaths and all kinds of things. So the instrumental music was supposed to be a soothing tempo oh, to calm so riders and prevent bites for people oh who were God. suddenly put into a small amount of space. Wow, that is actually really fascinating. I guess it must have worked. Yeah. They kind of zombie brainwashed them into calming down. Kind of like this drug. Kind of like dust. They went on a dust trip. Am I wrong? Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. <laughs> I think for like educational purposes, we should draw what we think a dust trip would look like. And that's on educational purposes. For um, creativity purposes, we should draw our own dust trips, even though we haven't done dust. We need to go find some wasp predator parasite. I am not snorting snail slime balls. <laughs> so don't even suggest it. Okay, that's fair. Oh, man. I just thought it was funny. I was like, I've never read, the, I've never really thought that much about elevator music, but because it keeps coming up in this book, I was sort of like, let's see what else there is. There's some other kind of funny experiments that people did. Like in 1999, there was this wine shop and they had a bunch of researchers that would play French or German sounding music depending on the day. Mm. And when they played more French music, there was an increase in French wine sales. No way. And when they played more German music, there was an increase in German wine sales. Or, you know, like, compare... That's insane. Between those two days. So, um, even though customers claim they, like, didn't notice the music, it still seems to have influenced Yeah, their... so, like, subconsciously. And other studies have shown, like, holiday music will lead you to purchase more festive items. Oh. And whatnot. So I just think it's funny that the origin story for Muzak was designed to calm people down, and now it like makes people want to rip their hair out. Well, yeah, the origin was for of elevator music was to calm people in the elevator, but Muzak was created by an army general. Oh, like Hannah's dad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it but comes actually, around. Chief Signal Officer Major General George O. Squire. So many people hate him. He was the first one to send music via electrical wires rather than radio waves. It'd be funny if it was like a war tactic, like we're going to blast this terrible music at you until you surrender. <laughs> Maybe that's what they'll do in the book. His new company, so his, <laughs> he came up with the term Muzak by combining music and Kodak, just because he liked the name. Okay. And <laughs> This guy sounds great. Allegedly, I d and I didn't double check this, but one of the slogans for Muzak used to be, Boring work is made less boring by boring music. Oh my god, that is the worst slogan ever. <laughs> but kind of appropriate for what it is. <laughs> that was before anyone knew anything about advertising. Yeah. And again, I didn't double check that, so that could just be That's this article. That's so funny. funny but but oh god, I like I it. That. Oh, I really hope the lollipop song becomes used as a weapon of mass destruction. It would be cool, like, it's cool to have all these different documents, but it also, cutting to your point, it would be cool if we could, like, see some of these videos or listen to the song or, you know, even be more interactive. Yeah, I want, like, an audio log. Well, the whole, oh, oh, the whisper tech, that's what that reminded me of. I love the whisper tech, because at first I was like, what the heck I thought it was IMing or something, but then I'm, like, I'm still kind of confused. So how do you use it? So at first I was like, oh, you just whisper into it and it picks up. It just picks up your whispering, but actually they said... It was like you um, didn't even have to whisper, right? You had... You just... Okay. It's called WhisperNet. What was I calling it? I don't remember. But okay, so it, it picks up the movements of sub-vocalization. So it's not even like you're whispering. It's like you're just mouthing the words and it picks up 
on, I guess, the vibrations of your vocal cords and then um, transcribes it into words. So no one hears you talk. But like, that's so great. I know, that's crazy. And I, I also thought it was funny when she was trying to get hers fixed or whatever, which I couldn't tell if she was like up to no good or actually just needed help with something. But um, she was saying, no one wants to hear what all you have to say. Or you know, like, it seemed like the point of it was just to, like, sort of the opposite of music to like, let people live in peace and not have to listen to all this background noise. And I guess if you're yeah. on a ship with a lot of people all the time, that would be a problem. That would kind of be a good thing. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, it is. it does sound like really cool technology. And I always wonder about, like, it. you know, what's going to be the next thing? Like, we already have text messages, you know, like all this stuff. And that would be kind of a really yeah. cool direction to, for things to go. Because it's like one, it's one step ahead, ahead of, like, having something implanted in your mind so you just think it and it writes. Yeah. You know? But I always wonder, like, what if someone can lip read and then they can... Yeah. See what you're saying. I don't know. But I thought that was cool. I, I like all the technology. Yeah, it's fun to hear. So do the, do you also have something in your ear? Or how do you pick up or do you read it? I'm still kind of confused about I think how it's, that works. I think it's in your, something's in your mouth. So how do you know what someone is saying to you? I think it, well, it, it transcribes it. Okay, so you read what they said, but then you. Yeah, but you okay. generate it okay. with your mouth. I'm also curious to see where this bullet wound comes from on her journal. Did you notice how the pages were getting bloodier and bloodier? Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. Yep. I oh, I just want to know what she's going to do about Nick because they were already kind of on, like, uneven footing. Like, we know she broke her ar- his arm back in the day. And then she started to trust him again. And then yeah. uh, What's-His-Face sent her that whole file on all the people he killed and, like, the horrific ways that they died. And I'm just – I'm so unsure if she's going to still – be an ally with him. I sort of think she doesn't have that many options right now. So I I think she's yeah, not going to, she really I think she's going to be harder on him even than before or like less friendly about it. But I still think she's going to need to be a collaborator with him. Yeah. We'll find out. I mean, if she wants vengeance, yeah, she'll have to. Or even just, yeah. I mean, like she has so few resources, she can't really afford to like take any of them for granted, even if it's a guy she doesn't like. Someone who's not optimal. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that whole story about his grandma, speaking of vengeance. Yeah, and his killing his grandpa after five years of, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. That was unexpected. <laughs> I mean, he definitely, I'm very curious about his background because I definitely don't think he killed those two people or if, I don't or at least not the way it was described. And especially not the 12-year-old girl. Yeah. And he's definitely had a hard childhood and it kind of seems like he wanted to get away from his dad, which might be why he's out here, but I don't know if it... Or maybe something happened to his dad. I don't know. I'm very curious to hear more about him and how he's kind of survived. Me too. Because his dad, or was it his dad or was it, oh no, it was his dad the one who made him shoot his dog after it got hit. And he was 11? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's, his, like, his stories about his past are not, not great. And they make me feel really bad for him. I also, I did love, I, I think the tattoo thing is still really cool. But when they were talking about, like, the tattoos are reminders of times you've messed up, and his cousin mm-hmm. has no tattoos, like, I also like that idea. Well, I mean, she's pretty young, and she was sick for so long. Yeah, but still, I think she's a good ally also. She's She knows her stuff. Yeah, I think they assume, I think Hannah and Ella need to, like, get past each other and become friends. I'm also curious if there's, there's got to be more people somewhere in the spaceship. That's right? the thing. That's the thing that I keep wondering about these books, because even in the first one... I loved Katie and I loved seeing all the things that she did, 
But at a certain point, I was like, wait a minute, how is a 17-year-old girl the only person who has the capability to do any of this? Like, there's no one else. How is that our best, not even best option, our only option? Of a whole ship. You only have one teenage girl who can do this coding stuff. It just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And same thing here. It's like, uh, there have to be other people who are capable. I mean, if if it was run by... By, like, a military leader, you'd think there'd have been more military people on the ship, too. Exactly. I guess we'll find out more. There might... I think... I really think that she saw something... I think she followed a trail of blood and saw somebody. And I'm curious who it is and if they'll help. Or if I'm just totally making things up. Well, let's go find out. Okay. Go finish the book, everybody. Do you want to hear a joke before we leave? Yes, I do. Don't go finish the book yet, everybody. (laughs) Wait and hear these really two terrible dad jokes that I have for you. Ooh, there's two of them. Um, I need to shout out to my cousin's um, husband, now husband, not fiance anymore, who I always text these jokes to, and he texted me back one, which is a first for him, and um, thank you, Ben, for this joke. Yay! Thanks, Ben. Well, I'll wait till I hear it first. (laughs) To see if it's any good. Maybe. Okay. Um... (laughs) Do you want to hear a joke about pizza? Yeah. Never mind, it's too cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. And then here's another one. Do you want to hear a construction joke? Yes. Never mind, I'm still working on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, that that like makes me laugh and get frustrated at the same time. <laughs> And make sure because of all the construction too. around everywhere oh. in my life right now. Uh, all right. That's well, do you want to tell people how to get in touch? Oh, um, <laughs> if you have more jokes, Ben, you're allowed to send more. That was a good one. And any other listeners, um, or just talk about books, or say hi, or send us flowers, whatever. Send us flowers. What are we requesting from them this time? Because it seems like every time we're requesting something new. Wait, I think we want fan music. We want you to put together oh, yeah. a version of the lollipop song and share it with us. Send us the lollipop song. You can do this at mnktalkya at gmail.com or on our Instagram or Facebook, mnktalkya. We accept MP3 or WAV files. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that'd be so awesome if someone actually did I that. I kind of want to work on it this weekend, but I have no musical ability. Should we do it? Just fill in no. the blanks with all the lyrics they've already provided? Some fan, someone, if you're listening to this, just send us two seconds, a hum, something. It would make our Something day. we can work with to turn it into a full song. Yeah. Although we have our own technology problems, so maybe we shouldn't add that to the list of things. I was going to say, do we have the ability to do that? <laughs> Are we going to start, like, um, Pitch Perfect, like, cups, like... Ooh, I like that. Are you doing rhythm on your desk right now? I can just punch my microphone and that'll, you know... Or just move in the chair like I always do. Let's just use... Let's just make a song of all of the terrible background noises that we get in our podcast every episode. We can just take clips from each episode, yeah. Toby will be barking. That'll be our music. Done. Lollipop song. Bring it, guys. Okay. On that note, on that musical note, (laughs) (laughs) bye bookworms, and go get a library card. M&K Talk YA is produced and edited by Marissa Snyder and Katie Bradford. Original music composition by Timothy Milkey. Logo design by Marissa Snyder. 
For updates and extras, visit mnktalkya.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We would like to thank James Tobias, Chad Snyder, Meredith Kelfie, and Michael Howard for all of their support. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.